Grow stories, life lessons, turning points, service to others, truth, no bullshit, adding value, no smoke and mirrors, being the pressure, third down and 10, win or learn, always the underdog with a chip on your shoulder. These are the things that I think about when I talk to this group. From service academy fleet leaders, NFL players, NASCAR drivers, tech gurus, private equity, small business, big business, to the entrepreneurs making the way of the future. Winning at all costs with uncompromised integrity, paying the price of admission. Let's go. We'll just see how it goes. Here we go. Uh, that works. First, first female on the, on the podcast today. Rebecca Riordan. Um, had the pleasure of working with Rebecca in a high-speed manufacturing facility. Uh, she joins us from Shepherdsville, Kentucky today. Actually went to high school there in Shepherdsville, so she's back in her hometown. Uh, in Indiana, Wesleyan, is that how you say? Yep. Wesleyan yep. University graduate. Um, Rebecca's worn many hats in her life, from her first job at McDonald's, uh, to her role now as an operations manager at a 3PO. Um, some time at Cricket Wireless, Unique Press, Go Tech, yep. uh, Radio, Care Dr. Pepper, Radio Again. <laughs> and then I'm guessing now is Shipmunk, where you're currently at. Yep, that's where I'm at now. Nice. Her path has been uh, anything but linear, obviously. Uh, but raised in various locations all over the place. Um, familiar to a lot of folks that listen to this, Michigan, Texas, North Carolina, and Kentucky. Thanks to her dad's service in the Coast Guard. Uh, lots of culture change experience there. Uh, a big tra uh, traveler and once a avid pool player. When you say you were a big pool player, like, what do you mean by that? Like played in tournaments and went to Vegas to play in tournaments all over the place. Nice. So played all the time. Awesome. Vegas. I've been there in a long time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> also a big Dave Matthews fan. So, yes. Uh, a few hobbies there. Uh, but truly what stands out to her uh, about her is her desire to write a book about mental health and addiction, growth stories, um, a subject close to her, to her heart. And we'll get there. A um, bit of her philosophy is one of empowerment, self-awareness. Uh, she believes in the importance of never stop learning and growing, choose your tribe wisely, and uh, remain true to your core values. So a bit of an intro for Rebecca. Uh, got a few memories here, a couple of, uh, <clears throat> all right, so a couple of managers. Whitney, uh, Whitney McCoy said um, that you always lit up when you talked about your kids. Mm -hmm. uh, that you appreciated or she appreciated your loyalty to some of your peers, even if it was to a fault at sometimes. Uh, Definitely Denise, to a fault sometimes. Denise, she always took initiative to make improvements, to resolve issues, and to improve relationships between departments. Um, always something I look, look for when I'm, you know, trying to bring someone in is the ability to do that. And you did that really well. You know, Denise was right. Um, she communicated the problem, but also looked um, at how to solve it, closing the loop with offering and implementing a solution to the problem. Um, she appreciated leaders that demonstrate those types of values and would definitely work with her again. 
All right, next three, uh, some fellow peers, other supervisors inside those four walls. One was Bill Overbay. Despite the difficulties of leadership and dealing with different people, she always had a positive outlook and tried to promote a positive work atmosphere. Will Allen. Rebecca was always in tune wherever she was. Work, family, life. Even on vacation, kept in touch with some folks that needed their needed some help, um, which I don't promote, but that was on <laughs> your own accord. Uh, she's a priceless teammate and leader. Jimbo. So Jim Bottomley, um, he was there for a while before you came in. When I think about Jimbo, I think about Richard, I think about the old breed. Uh, something that, that Jimbo had to say was, all I can say is, at first meeting, I wasn't sure if she, if she was going to survive, <laughs> especially with Richard and myself. I think she they gave me like a week. <laughs> <laughs> hey, price of admission. All right. <laughs> She turned out to be real, a real tough cookie and a great working partner. She was firm, but fair, um, which I firmly believe by, or firmly live by, sorry. I truly wish we were on the same team again. It was great working with reliable people. So that's the, that's the memory section. Um, Man, I have a, that's awesome. I have a few though, before you kick off your story. For, for me personally, I remember your perseverance to be exceptional. Um, Cause I, I knew that perseverance was going to be a, it's, it's always a, a big requirement inside that facility. Uh, yours, yours is really good. I also remember um, interviewing you on two separate occasions. Yes. And the second time it felt like I, I was talking to a different person. Probably were. Awesome. Um, the ability to deal with employee interpersonal conflict was also pretty amazing. So, cause there's a lot of that and, um, you did really well at that. So now it's story time. Go ahead. Man, but I gotta say thank you for all that because that was, that's humbling. And I appreciate everything that everyone said because all of them are amazing. So awesome. Yeah. Good stuff. So Rebecca, tell us, you know, where you came from and the how, how the story goes well you kind of told a little bit um my dad was in the military growing up so i spent most of my life moving around which was scary but amazing and i look back at it and i'm so glad that i got that experience i have two younger brothers so getting to move around with them was they just became my best friends so Spent a lot of time in Michigan, spent a lot of time mostly in Michigan because my dad was a coastie, so we were always so, like So he's out the, on the Great Great Lakes type of mm -hmm. thing? Yeah. Yeah, we were in North Carolina for a while, down in Texas for a while, but mostly Michigan was like home base. Got it. Um, he ended up getting off ships um, when I was a little bit older and became like off became like the officer in charge of duty stations. So that was super neat growing up, like watching my dad just be an amazing leader to a bunch of young guys straight out of boot. <laughs> so that was, I guess, part of like what pushes me to do the things that I do. 
but um, grew up there doing that and then ended up here in Kentucky. My dad decided that it was here. He had the choice when he was PCSing between Kentucky or um, New Orleans. And he said in his head, me and my brothers were going into high school and he couldn't imagine me and my brothers walking around the French Quarter. Gotcha. Ended up here in Kentucky. Awesome. It's not a bad place to to raise kids. That's why, you know, why I choose to stay, really. It's really not. And that's kind of why I chose to stay, too. After my parents left and brothers left, like, it's a good place. And my kids loved it. And my kids have excelled here, so. Good people. Yeah, it is. So, yeah, I moved to Colorado for a few years and then moved back here and pretty much have been here. Gotcha. Don't have too much to tell about my backstory. It's just no, 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 it's pretty normal. You need, to, you need to tell more about it. Like, <laughs> all right, so you went to Colorado, and then you came back here. Like, you know, maybe there was a little bit of why you came back here in what we already talked about. Was there anything else that, that um, brought you well, back? Well, mostly I came back here. So, like I said, I have two younger brothers. Um, both my brothers are in the Marine Corps. I have one brother that just retired for 22 years, um, actually last week. So he nice. got his start in 1-7. And so what did he, he do? Was out at, um, he was a tanker. Okay. That's a small community. It is. And um, so in 2020, they dismantled tanks. And he was on I deployment when they made that decision. So he kind of came home and... When he came home, they were wanting to retire him, but he ended up finding a company out in Boise that he's been with for the last two years, and then he decided to retire. But my other brother was also enlisted. He was in 1-6. So in 2006, my youngest brother, he ended up dying in Iraq. So when he died in Iraq, I came back to Kentucky. Gotcha. Do you want to unpack that a little bit? and? Us so, um, it was the second deployment and he was 20 years old. So, but man, he, he, he loved his Marines. That was his place. That was his purpose. Um, and was his I, job? I even, yeah, absolutely. Like I get, uh, emotional with it sometimes talking about it, but got it. And if you want me to pump the brakes, I can. No, uh, no, you're absolutely good because I tell you what, like, just that whole experience has set me on my tra- like on my path to who the person I am and continuing to grow because I realized just the impact that everybody has on each other just from that experience. Um, one of the best and worst things about that experience is the impact that I've saw that he had on other people. Um, and I, when I was there at KDP with you guys, my brother's like the 15th anniversary of his passing 26 of the guys that he was in a unit with all came to you know zachary taylor it's an amazing experience to see that brotherhood but in hearing their stories i realized just while for years and years and years i thought the impact was just on me and my family at those moments, I realized that it's not like it impacts so many other people. Yep. That's it right there. Uh, what was his job? 
What was his MLS? He, remember? Um, so he was one six. He was infantry. He was a designated marksman. Okay. Gotcha. So, but that was like, it was his life. Like he loved it. Like he was going to be career. Like he had his purpose. Gotcha. Um, that was good to know. Gotcha. Heck, I'm 41 and still struggle with my purpose sometimes. So. <laughs> yeah, we're all we're always seeking that true north. I think, you know. Absolutely. Um, but uh, another thing you're gonna, um, I bet you will talk about throughout the rest of the conversation are the the core values because that's what leads you to your true north. Um, moving around so much as a kid, how's that shaped your perspective on home, community, and you know, being able to adapt. Man, so for so many years, I looked at it completely wrong. Um, because I hung on to people sometimes, and that kind of goes with like your tribe, like knowing your tribe, because they can make you or break you. Because you're moving around so much, you kind of just learn to get in where you fit in, which is good. And because sometimes where you're fitting in isn't where you're supposed to be. Um, and so when we moved here to Kentucky, a lot of the people that I got in with weren't the right people that I should have been in with. They weren't on the right path. They weren't doing the right things. And, you know, people say all the time, if you want to see your future, look at your friends. Well, as a teenager and a young adult, you just don't understand that concept. But as I got older, I started to realize that concept. I spent so much time around all different people um, growing up that I guess it was harder for me to realize it. It's like who I should be around and shouldn't be around. Gotcha. But I tried to. When you're in that, um, I guess, military culture, like it's completely different than any other culture that you see, like any other community you see. Um. And I guess it's because of some of the closeness. I didn't realize, like, realize some of the like discrimination and injustices in life until I got to be much older. Because I grew up on military bases where there was every culture, creed, religion. Um, yeah, it's just a beautiful thing. Everything. Right. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't until I got older and I started to see it, and I was like, "Oh wow, it's there." Yeah. This is what they I hear about. Just never understood it because I was in such small communities. And yeah. So, what was your ShamWow moment when you when you discovered that? Um, man, I don't even know what the ShamWow moment was. I think it was just small incremental moments over time. Because moving here to Kentucky from being in Michigan and being on like. We'd always kind of lived on duty stations for the most part. So we were on these duty stations where you see, again, every culture, creed, religion, uh, gender, everything. And everybody's kind of, I don't want to say everybody has an even playing ground, but you do to an extent because the opportunities are there. And if you want them, you can grab them. You've got to work for it. Moving here to Kentucky from Michigan was a culture shock for for me because it was like, oh, wow. And I was no longer on a duty station either. I was living in Shepherdsville. So I think yeah. that and just over the years seeing things, it wasn't just one moment. It was all of them. Gotcha. 
I got to go back to the to the Jimbo comment when he said um, she turned out to be a real tough cookie. What made you <laughs> What made you a real tough cookie in Kentucky? My dad. Your dad. All right. Gotcha. My dad and my brothers. You want to You want to oh, and duty stations. To be honest, like um, I was around nothing but guys, and like I don't want to say it's a guy's world, but sometimes it is a guy's world. And if you're a woman, sometimes you got to fight for it just a little bit harder. Uh, and so I grew up with parents that genuinely told me that I could be anything that I wanted to be. And I believed it. Gotcha. So I think that's what it was. Like it was, if you want it, you got to work for it and you got to work for it hard. And sometimes yeah. you got to work for it harder than the next person. So. Sure. So yeah, right, uh, they're, they're the ones who made me talk. Cause Jimbo and Jimbo and Richard gave me about a week. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Cause when new people would come in, they would like make bets to see how long they were going to stay. And I think it was like, after <laughs> why do you the first think, book, why do you think that happens? Why do you think people do that? I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. Um, gotcha. Because I've done it before too. <laughs> I think yeah. it's just, you know, stereotypical. You kind of come in and I came in and I was probably smiling and bubbling more than likely had my hair down and, they were like, oh, yeah, she ain't going to last a week with those machines and running around that floor. And yeah. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you did amazing at it. So um, let's jump into career transitions. So you've had a lot of jobs, not a linear path. Like, no. Tell us more about, like, how that progressed for you. So honestly, like, I, when I got out of high school, I really, I ended up having kids young. I had my son at 19. I had my daughter at 21 and I was just kind of working to work because, you know, I had to take care of kids. Yeah. So that's when I was working in cell phone stores, just kind of doing the, I was good at it, but it wasn't ever going to be a path that I was going to stay on forever. When I moved back here to Kentucky, I was still working at cell phone stores, but I ended up going through like an extremely dark period where instead of seeing things in a different perspective, I looked at my brother's death as like the worst thing that happened to me. Like, oh, why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to my family? It's not fair that he's not here. It's not, you know, all these things that weren't fair. Um, and because I went through that dark period, I didn't work for I don't know, several months. And when I finally went back to work, I was just looking for a job, any job that I could get. And Unique Presco Tech, which is an automotive manufacturer. Automotive me. is cutthroat. It is. <laughs> they hired me to be a filing clerk. I always kind of looked in, in the backgrounds of resumes for some automotive because I knew that there'd be some perseverance there. So, Oh yes, it was, it was interesting for sure, but they hired me to be a filing clerk. And so every, I'd go in and I'd have to file all their papers. Well, it was an eight hour shift and I would get it done in like two hours and wouldn't have anything to do. So I would, I started like wandering out to the floor and learn, wanted to learn what was going on on the floor, wanted yeah. to understand and came a quality tech from there. Um, and then moved into a supervisor role. And that's kind of how I became a supervisor was in automotive. Awesome. 
it was, <laughs> yeah, I just couldn't stay in my lane, I guess you could say. And right. I was out there in everybody else's business wanting to know what made everything work. So that's, that's not a bad thing. Um, a guy a long time ago, on, <laughs> yeah, a guy a long time ago on this podcast said, uh, Clint Bruce, he said, I like to go where I don't know. Right. So sounds like that's what you did. I did. Um, uh, is there anything else that took you out of that dark period other than going where you don't know? Man, um, going, it's like learning how to stay like comfortably uncomfortable in it was also like realizing that I wasn't a victim in this situation. Um, other people started to like love me back to life. Like some amazing people started to love me back to life. And I realized that I wasn't a victim. Like I was blessed for the amount of time that I got to spend with him. I was blessed for the stories that I got to hear from the people that were impacted by him. Um, like there was more blessings in the situation than victimization. But for a long time, all I could see was like just the victim part. Um, and because I saw it that way, like I literally just was sad and depressed. And I remember my other brother telling me like, Hey, like I've already buried my brother. Like I don't want to bury my sister too. I was like, man, and that, I guess in a sense, that was a ShamWow moment because at that moment, I remember like hitting my knees and praying to God, just like, please don't make me live another day like this. And it gotcha. wasn't an easy path. It was a hard as hell path, but it set me on a path to like realizing some true self growth, like loving myself, um, learning how to grow, staying, instead of just being so fixed, like, becoming mendable becoming that growth mindset so i guess you yep. could say my brother and god kind of pulled me out of that awesome. deep dark hole <laughs> sounds like your uh older brother's a good dude he my little brother but yeah he's a smart guy um you said some amazing people showed you how to you know love yourself back to life other other than your brothers, anybody else? Yeah, um, it was it was a church group actually. Um, it was like a women's church group uh, because, like I said, after my brother told me what he told me, kind of hit my knees and just God help me. <laughs> I, I finally surrender. Help me, and started attending the church. And there was an amazing women's group. And and those moments, like I had never really spent much time with women brothers, dad, duty stations full of guys. Um, I worked in environments that were basically male dominated. To have a group of women love me back to life was a huge a huge shift for me. Nice. Because I had issues with women. I didn't know how to trust women. Society tells you that women shouldn't trust women. Not the truth. So I don't understand that, but Maybe you can. I think it's hard for guys to understand it because it's like the for women we see like oh it's catty or he's gonna she's gonna try and steal my guy or she's gonna try and uh, backstab me and that's that's really not the truth because like in the end like 
strong women empower other women. Got it. It's kind of like you guys, like you guys in your brotherhood. That's exactly what it is, except for it's a sisterhood. Awesome. That is a, uh, that's a good story right there. All right. Um, I had this one written down. I'm going to say it again. On fighting your demons, your youngest, your youngest brother killed in uh, Ramadi, Iraq on mm-hmm. December 4th, 2006. Anything else you want to unpack there before we move on? I don't want to cross the line, but I also want you to impact others, right? With good stuff. Well, there, there's, uh, I don't know, because there's so much behind it. Like, there's a lot to unpack, in all honesty, when you, when you get to that um, topic. But I think there's a lot behind it, because of just the way it affected so many people. Yeah, never, that, never underestimate, uh, I'm trying to figure out a Jordan Peterson quote on never ast- underestimate the value of somebody's loss or something like that. Yeah. It, and it's so true because, um, you really, you really don't. I, I like I said, I think it was seeing kind of the impact too, like I've said before, like the impact that it had on other people and me realizing that impact helped, like it helped push me through too, because I realized there's a lot of soldiers out there that lost their lives coming home. They came home with a lot of mental trauma just behind everything they seen, like saw during that time. Um, I know while my brother was there, they ended up while my brother like his tour there ended up being 12 guys that passed away and they they called it the Ramadi 12 like it's just i can't even explain how it makes you feel to hear that and i'm sure anybody who's been overseas kind of understands like just the heaviness of but some of the guys like coming home not like truly struggling struggling with like their mental health because of the things that they saw the survivor guilt that they had um man, like that pushes me too to want to help people in so many ways gotcha um yeah and we'll, we'll i want to dive deeper into that and why you want to write a book and what it's going to be about and all that kind of stuff uh, but before we get there Choosing your tribe. <laughs> who is who's the right tribe for you? Oh, the right tribe for me are people that are genuinely empowering each other. Um, like they want to see good things happen for each other. They're pushing each other to be their best versions of themselves. That's the right tribe. Um, they can be brutally honest with you. They can tell you the things that you sometimes don't want to hear, but because it's coming from them, you know that it's coming from a place of love and you're okay with it. Um, Even if you're not okay with it, you're okay with it. Those are the people, like, that's my tribe. That's the people I want to be around. Um, 
I wish I could have saw that in my 20s. I wish I could have saw that in my teens. It, I think I would be even a completely different person than I am today, but I'm grateful for the journey that I had because it let me realize the people that need to be in my corner. Gotcha. You found it? Yeah, I think so. I think nice. in general, I have found it, but the, you can, you're always growing to it. There's always going to be more people to add to it. And that's what sure. I like about it too. Sure. Well, cool. All right. So on uh, mental health and addiction, um, what personal experiences, observations have driven this passion for you? Um, so part of what's driven the passion for me is because like my deep, dark path was taking pain medication to numb myself. Like I needed to numb the feelings that I had. Um, so that's, that's part of it. Um, but I also see a bunch of people with all different types of trauma that they're just not able to deal with. And because they can't deal with those feelings, they, they numb them. And when they numb them, they just become a lesser version of themselves. And it's heartbreaking to see that because I genuinely want to see people and see their greatest potential lived out. So how do you do that? Um, so right now, like I have a degree in addiction counseling, um, and I do work in a rehab here and I eventually want to write a book. And it's funny because I actually want to write a book because of this podcast, because when you said, the topic, up. that's awesome. Yes. Hey, I'm get, like, it's so eye opening. It's so humbling. It's so, it's so awesome. Um, on how many people when this does when a certain thing reaches a person they're just like boom like this just helped me based off the last five years or whatever of things i was going through it was so good so appreciate your uh, authenticity today i mean it's so true though because it'll work i yeah like i listened to your podcast several times like i listened to all the episodes i like them i learned from every single person it's it's I have like a calendar that I pack around with me everywhere. And whenever someone says something that I'm like, Oh, yeah, I need to remember that I'm like writing down that little key phrase that they said, because nice. I, I want to remember that what they said. But I, I want to say it was like the fifth or sixth podcast that you had, I was just I was driving in my car. And I realized in that moment, like, I, I think I was actually heading to go work at the rehab. <laughs> And I was like, man, these people have paid, like, they paid a price of admission. Um, like, what price did they pay? Like, who else paid the price with them because of their addiction? And then, like, what price are they willing to pay to stay sober? What price are they willing to pay to have um, a better life? And so it was like, oh, thanks, Sony. <laughs> I'm going to steal your idea one day. <laughs> no, no, that, that, that's a great story. And, you know, with, with everything you've gone through, I can't even like go there in my mind to like try and make sense of everything. But um, I, also, I I think everybody should spend time trying to write a book, you know, if it, you know. I think so too. Just, why not? Right. So. Yeah. Like hearing other people's stories, I think, or, 
you don't realize the stories that people have because you can ask Jimbo and Richard um, and actually probably anybody else. Like I'm pretty good at reading people. That's my, that's my thing. Like I can read people. I can read their emotions. Like I know what's going on. I never was able to with you. And it drove me insane. to <laughs> be like, I can't read Tony. Like what kind of moods Tony in? Like I can't read Tony. And that, that says yeah, like, something about. I like, like, uh, I like variation. How about that? <laughs> yeah. It says something about like your emotional intelligence. Cause you were able to keep it like right there. Yeah, um, well, I, w I would also say that my emotional intelligence has uh, been not so good a couple of times. Uh, for sure. Same. We all have those days. Yeah. But I, I remember um, like Jimbo and Richard, basically both of them told me like, um, even though I couldn't read you, I remember both of them telling me, hey, uh, no matter what, like, if you make a decision and you stand behind your decision and you're able to speak some facts to it, you're never going to get yelled at. Yeah, 100%. Like, and I don't know why I ever even thought for one second like I would get yelled at or get in trouble. But I think you think that as an employee sometimes. Like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble yeah. if I do this. Uh, and man, I realized It depends on right. the environment, right? Yeah, but we had an environment where we didn't, and that was awesome. Like, I appreciated that. So, <laughs> good stuff. Um, so, back to those personal experiences, observations with, with your current passion and, and what you're doing, and you spent some time at those facilities. Um, is it impacting? Are you seeing it? Is it working, or how are things going? So, it's actually going great, but funny story is, is, um, this past, I don't know, a couple months ago, I like, I love being in the rehab and I love being around that population because I know that they deserve more and I want them to see that they deserve more and grasp more. So I still work in um, the rehab facilities, but I like now I'm going back to school and working on my master's for industrial and organizational behavior. Nice. Um, because how far through that's... how far through that are you? Fifty percent um, or it's a it's eighteen months and I'm right at eight months, so I got about a year still. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah, I decided that um like I, I I genuinely enjoy helping grow leaders. I wanna continue to be a much better leader than what I am, and I hope like a year from now. Actually, I know a year from now, I'll be completely different leader. And I hope from there, I'll keep growing. Yeah. Um, I hope that every person I talk to says, hey, I got to speak with you twice, and you were a completely different person the second time I talked to you, because that's the type of person I want to be. I want to continue to grow all the time. And, <laughs> but I decided to change. I want to, I want to help grow leaders. And where I'm at now they've let me kind of do that. Like I've set up lead classes and I get to teach lead classes every couple of weeks. And I think that's probably my passion, even though I still have like a, a soft spot in my heart for addictions and mental health. I think a lot of your mental health revolves around the workplace. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, what is a key enabler for you to be allowed to do that, to, teach those classes 
set aside the time? Like, how'd that um, work? Did you have to like ask for it, or you just said, "Hey, I'm going to do this. I, I, I'm I not going to hey, do these other things." Yeah, I said, "Hey, I want to do this," and I think that everybody there saw that I was already kind of doing it anyways, except for I was doing it on a smaller scale, just kind of one on one. Nice. Um, and since I was already kind of doing it anyways, and when I brought up the topic of like, hey, can I just do classes, you know, twice a week, or it's twice every two weeks, and they were like, yeah, do it. Put together what you want to do. Nice. Show us what you want to do, and let's go. Awesome. No, I love doing stuff like that. It's Yeah, and it's, it's fun. Um, and not only is it fun, but it, it genuinely lets you see the potential in other people too. Yep. Um, who's paying attention? Who's asking questions? Who's uh -huh. like, you know, grasping it? Who's looking at their phone? You're like, all right, I know who my next leaders are. Right? Absolutely. And I'm a big advocate for that. I'm, I, most anybody that knows me knows that. Like, I'm, I want to push people to be better. Yeah. Cool. Even to my own fault. <laughs> you said that fifth or sixth podcast, it kind of clicked for you. Do you remember which one it was? Out of my personal curiosity, is it Mike Matthews? Uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head because. Yeah, you don't. I mean, it's Jeff Lenar, I think. Jeff Lenar? Number two? Yeah. Nice. Um, there were several, though, because I've kind of felt like. After listening to the podcasts and getting to like hear all the stories, like I feel like I know that uh, the Jeff Lenars and the Clint Sobies, and I kind of feel like I know them also. Well, I always pull <laughs> memories for the, from those guys because I know it'll be pretty quick and. Uh, yes, but it's it's time awesome efficient. because I think every like man, all of them have such great stories to tell. Um, just whether regardless of what their background was they have good stories and they have a lot of growth stories. And then like from where they were to where they are now is awesome. Cool. All right. You didn't give me a huge paragraph of your actual journey yet. So I'm almost done. I got two more questions. Um, I'm going to revert and say, is there anything else inside of your life's journey that you want to talk about before I ask you these final two questions? I don't know, like, I don't want to say my life's journey has been mediocre because my life's journey has not been mediocre in any way, shape, or form. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I know, like Whitney said, was it Whitney that every time I talked about my kids, I lit up? Yeah. Because I do. Yeah. They're, they're some of the biggest inspirations that I've had in my life as well. Um, I had them when I was young, so unfortunately for their own accord, they had to grow up with me a bit. But yeah. because of that, I think it made them stronger people. Um, My kids teach me stuff all the time. Is there any cool things that you can think of that your kids taught you? My daughter probably taught me the most about like perseverance and grit. And how's um, that? So my youngest daughter, she is well. She was a state champion wrestler. She actually won nice. state champion when I was working with you guys. 
but her first year wrestled like she come home one day and said uh mom i'm gonna wrestle i'm like what you're gonna wrestle she's like yeah the wrestling coach thinks i'd be a good wrestler i'm like i'm sure they do i'm sure the basketball coach thinks you'd be a good basketball player too like what's the deal but she went out there and since up until this year girls wrestling was not sanctioned in kentucky which meant girls to wrestle had to wrestle against guys um so anybody that knows wrestling my daughter at that time was 160 pounds and had to wrestle against 160 pound guys probably made her pretty good her first year she lost every single match and then um and then her second year she lost every single match but like three and then um and then her third year she dropped down to 145 and won about half her matches and then by the time her senior year came she was a state champion but along that ride she also met a group of girls that had the same like direction as her and so they uh, from all over the state of kentucky there was i think 10 or 12 of 10 to 12 of them just depending on age groups and they were team kentucky and they went to like fargo and they went and wrestled for team kentucky they were a little trailblazer team that helped establish kentucky wrestling for women sounds like i need to get her on here (laughs) you probably (laughs) she she definitely has a story you know at at 20 years old she has a well she's not even 20 yet she'll be 20 in two weeks but she's got a hell of a story for a 20 year old yeah no i mean like going up against you know the underdog going up's the big giant on every single occasion has an awesome lesson if you take it the right way right and yeah. uh if you keep on going up against him there's nothing but good that comes out of it right well that's so, it like that's a that's a beautiful story it surprised like I don't want to say it surprised me, like, because I, I know what kind of daughter I raised, but at the same time, I was like, dang, this girl just keeps going back for a beating. She just can't get enough of it. And Feed the addiction, baby. That's yeah, something that Bobby much. Mack used to say to us is, I'm always going to fight against that hard thing. And so, yeah, we it sounds like, sounds like we, it turned out right. It was funny because, like, but both my brothers are in the Marine Corps, so my brother's like, "Go in the Marine Corps and wrestle! Come on, come in, go in the Marine Corps and wrestle!" And the day she won state champion, she said, "I'm done." What do you mean you're done? <laughs> She's like, yep. "I reached my goal." <laughs> I reached my goal. On to the next one. Yeah. I'm like, nice. "What about me? What about mom? <laughs> I need something to do." Nice. But yeah, like. So, did she go into college and? Yeah, and she do that or well now. Yes. Um, scholarship. She, so no, she had a scholarship. So U of L doesn't have a wrestling team. Ah, oh, bummer. Um, she had a scholarship to Boise State, and she had a full ride to the University of Cumberland. But she said, oh, "I want to go to U of L." Gotcha. So she got U of L. That's what's in it for mom, right there. But yeah, uh, we all uh, choose our own path, right? So, yep, she's doing good. Well, she, she coaches now, so I guess it's, you know, she's still in it. That's good. And that's good. Cause I that's what that she'll she... learn even more as, as she's coaching. Right. As Absolutely. you know, 
Yeah, and I hope is... she brings that like perseverance and like the her tenacious ability to keep going and the grit. Like I hope she helps drive that into other young girls because yep. don't think you can't do it because you you can. You absolutely can. Yeah, I got two little ones. Uh one is just turned is about to turn nine. The other one is just turned five. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like <laughs> what, kind of, what kind of hard things can I get these girls into so they can do the same thing? But um, they're on you their way. Give them so. some wrestling lessons. Right. For <laughs> sure. Um, well, cool. Um, what's your biggest current struggle today that you're working through? Me. You? Like, I'm my biggest struggle. Gotcha. Um, and I think I'm my biggest struggle, honestly, because of... I'm a, I'm a woman, I'm an emotional woman and I want things to be perfect and I'm a control freak and all the things like I'm my own worst enemy 95% of the time. Um, and because I'm my own worst enemy, I make my path harder sometimes than it needs to be. I overthink things. Um, I read into things too far. I doubt myself more than I should. And those are the things that ultimately stunt your growth if you allow them. So I'm constantly having to remind myself that it ain't all about me and get out of myself yep. and see the bigger picture of it all. I know at least one other person that is thinking the same thing. Um, I know there's many others out there that are what would you say to women out there today that are feeling that way? Don't let the enemy win. Like, and I say that because you can't let your mind take, like, you can't let your mind hold you hostage. You have to allow yourself to continue to grow. Allow yourself to feel some of that pain. Just don't wallow in that pain. Um, get up, keep moving, make those choices. Find you a good tribe that knows you, loves you, wants to see you succeed and pushes you to be your best version. And I don't think anybody in this world can do it by themselves. Um, if we could do it by ourselves, they wouldn't like, we wouldn't need the connections that we need to keep moving. And yeah. One of the biggest things they say with addiction is there's it's a it's a connection issue. It's not an addiction issue. It's a connection issue. Like you're not connecting with others, and you're not connecting with all that stuff. And because you're right not, people. yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, you're not truly connecting with your feelings. Like because you're not doing those things. Um, but yeah, like. Find the find your tribe. Find a good tribe. Love yourself. And if you don't know how to love yourself, let other people show you how to love yourself to you know. Don't just don't stop. Don't give up. So it, the, eventually it's all worth it. As long as you keep going. Yep. Beautiful thing. Um 
Last one. What's your price submission? Man, and I, I think I told you this, like in what I wrote. I literally every time I listen to the price submission, I'm like, "Yep, that's it right there. They nailed it." And then the next person comes on, and I'm like, "Oh, yep, that's it. They nailed it too." I think we all nail it um, because it is something that all of us go through. And while it's the same for all of us, it's uniquely different for all of us too. Um, Like you guys went through your price of admission when you guys were at Navy football. And then when you were at, you know, if you were deployed, you went through a different type of price of admission. Um, In the working field, you go through a price of admission. Um, And for me, like I went through multiple prices of admission in my life. But it's making sure that you push through the pain and know that the end goal is worth more than that pain and sacrifice and everything you have to go through. It's just bigger and better than what's right in front of you. Yep. That's That's hard to see, too. That's it right there. (laughs) Man, it's so hard to see sometimes. Yeah, it's but, it's one of those I, blind faith things, right? It is. And I like I like what other people have said too where like you go out there doing what you're doing not just for you, but for other people. Like I mean, you're willing to make that sacrifice for other people also. You know, you're you're willing to go out there and not just pay the price for you, but you're willing to pay the price for the group. So that way all of you can get through it. Yep. And I've heard that many times just listening to the podcast. And I think that's one thing that's hit for me too, because you think the price of admission and you think, what did I pay? Like, what did I pay? But it's not just like, what did you pay? It's like, what did the other people around you pay? What did you all pay together? Like who paid it with you? And that's the thing too. We don't do it by ourselves. We don't. We really don't do much of anything by ourselves. It takes a team. Always does. Sure does. For success, there's no flying solo in in the success arena. Uh, for those that do fly solo, they make it for a bit, but but not for very long, for sure. Yeah, if it, man, I couldn't imagine. I if it wasn't for the teams that I've had, I wouldn't have just the everything that I've learned and done throughout my life. And it's because of the people that have been around me that have pushed me that have also paid the price. Um, The ones that were willing to pay the price to be there with me when I was going through it. Yep. And from your notes, I'm going to pull these two out. Um, Victory lies in absorbing the punch and preventing the next one. Absolutely. Second one, if it was easy, victory would be feel cheap. So it's so true. Because what what's easy? Like, why do you want something that's easy? If it's if it's easy, anybody can have it. No doubt. Well, uh, and I I feel bad. I don't remember. 
I'm sure I, you've told me already, but uh, what's your spouse's name? Richard. Richard. Yeah. Well, tell Richard, thank you for your time tonight. I definitely will. And your kids, you already talked about one daughter, but how many, what are their names? So I have three. I have, um, Caleb is my oldest. I had him at night when I was 19. So he's 22 now. And then I have Lily. She's my bonus daughter. Um, and she's also 22. And then my youngest That's... is Aubrey. Aubrey. And Aubrey's your killer. Aubrey's my Hellcat. <laughs> Everybody needs you... a Hellcat. Yeah, she is, uh, she's got, that child has so many nicknames. Um, we used to call her the wild card when she was little and yeah. then, cause you never know what you're going to get, but, um, <laughs> her name's Aubrey and I named her Aubrey because of master and commander, um, lucky Jack Aubrey. So <laughs> cool. She, she's like, you named me after a boy. I'm like, well, Hey, yeah, it goes both great. ways. It's one of those two-way <laughs> two names, right? And there yeah. are a lot of them. It was, it's not just Aubrey. So, well, I'm like, yeah, man, really. Uh, excuse me. I'm I'm used to saying man. Um, first, first female on the podcast so far, uh, ma'am. Thank you for your time tonight. Um, it was awesome. Your story's great. Um, you know, really had a good time learning from you during those times and even learn more today. So uh, thanks for being on. No, thank you for having me on. And um, I hope that like some small piece, someone hears and they like it because I know all the podcasts I've heard help me out. So it will, no doubt. So, all right. Take care. All right. You too. Good catching up.